0: that didn't go anywhere, uh, we're glad you're here too, (laughs) still here, amen, I hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving, Uh, ate a lot, start your diets uh, to work that off, amen, run off some of them veggies, I love Thanksgiving, Uh, I think I'm in good company there. Amen. Let's all stand. As Christians, we certainly do have a lot to be thankful for, not just during this season, but every day of the year. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for. We have so many blessings uh, that we are simply not deserving of, but it is God's good pleasure to give them to us anyway. Amen. And I am so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the relationship that I have with Him. Praise God. Uh, we want to pray for our service this morning. Uh also while we're praying, please remember Miriam. Uh, it was so nice to see her uh last Sunday. She came up for a little bit to visit family, uh but she's heading back today. Uh so we want to pray uh traveling journey mercies traveling mercies for her. <coughs> Amen. If I can get it out, God knows. God would dispatch angels to protect her, keep her safe. She's doing, she's doing phenomenally well. Amen. She's active in her church there. Praise God. I hear great things uh, about her, from her. Uh, God is doing wonderful things. Amen. So let's pray for her. Pray that they make it down, make it back safe. Uh, let's pray for our service here today. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you for this opportunity you've afforded us today to enter into the presence of Almighty God. It is an awesome opportunity. It's a wondrous, glorious opportunity you've given us today to receive of you your good things. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. It is our pleasure, it is our delight to enter into your presence, to hear your voice, to feel your touch, to spend time with you today. Hallelujah, I pray for this service, Lord, that you would move mightily, that your spirit would move freely according to your perfect will, that all your heart's desire would be manifest in our services here today. We pray for Sister Miriam, Lord Jesus, her mother, that you would give them journeying mercies, dispatch angels, encamp about them, protect them from all forms of harm and injury. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to bless her, continue to use her mightily according to your perfect will. Let your your great name be glorified in our midst here today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the the covenant that you established with me, the relationship that I have with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your many, many blessings. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated today. today's lesson is going to be entitled fear not fear not we understand that uh, fear is not from God Uh, no fear is from God there is a fear a healthy fear the Bible talks about but that's more of a reverence a respect Um, sister Bell and I were talking just a little bit ago about electricity Uh, I'm not afraid of electricity I don't don't tremble in fear when when there's a bare wire there, but I do have a healthy respect for that bare wire. Uh, I'm not going to just, you know, start dancing around and and pour some water on there and, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to respect that bare wire, uh, especially if I know it's live. Uh, Fire, I'm not afraid of fire, but, uh, you know, I, I have a healthy respect for fire. I've been burned many times. And so I've learned uh you need to respect that hot stove. you need to respect i I remember many times on Fourth of July, my parents would get these sparklers, you know, and I love the sparklers, especially at night, waving them around and looks nice and but you know it's dark, and every once in a while I touch the part that w- was hot, and that's really, really hot. And it doesn't take a whole lot of contact to, to give you a nice blister on that finger of yours, and so yeah, healthy respect. And so, uh, but fear, fear is something else entirely. Fear is something crippling. Fear is something that uh, if I if I let myself succumb to it, I, I'm not going to be able to to function the way that I'm supposed to. I know people that they. And maybe before I mention this, I will say I don't understand this condition. I've never experienced it. I I don't know what it's like to feel this way. But there are people in our society that they're afraid to walk out their door uh, because of anxiety, because of fear. Uh, They can't can't pick up a phone because of fear. They They can't do anything. They can't function in our society because they're afraid of literally everything. And so, that is not of God, folks. That is of the enemy. We are not to be afraid. We are not to fear anything. Not like that. We can certainly have a healthy respect for things. We're certainly uh, expected to have a healthy reverence and respect for the presence of God. But not to fear Him. It was never God's intention for us to be afraid of God. Not like that. Not a crippling, paralyzing fear. We ought to reverence Him and respect Him because of who He is and because of what He's done. So Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 says this, The angel said unto her, speaking to Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Fear not for thou hast found favor with God. It seems sometimes that when, we, when we're praying for something, when we're seeking the face of God over something, a question that we have, a, a situation we'd like to see resolved, it seems sometimes that God likes to move really, really, really slow. Sometimes it seems like it takes God months, years even, to answer a simple request. I prayed for my dad for 30 plus years before he ever set foot into a church that preaches truth. I've prayed for things and... A couple of them, I'm still waiting on an answer. It seems, and that's kind of, a, that's almost kind of a little Christian joke that we share back and forth. Is, you know, God's timing is not our timing, and and uh, God, you know, a thousand years is with God as one day, one day is as of a, a thousand years, and uh, it, it really does seem to us. From our perspective, that God takes a long time to move, a long time to act. Uh, Some examples of that in the Bible that we see are, are Moses. Moses knew that he was to deliver the nation of Israel. We know that because of some actions that he took early on in his life. But it wasn't God's timing yet. It took God 80 years to get Moses to the point where he was ready. 80 years. Can you imagine spending 80 years of your life getting ready for what God wants you to do? How much time would we have left? God's going to have to do some really fast things with that 5 or 10 years I got left on earth. 80 years it took. But, when it was time, God moved really, really, really fast. Once God called Moses with the burning bush until the time they were marching out of Egypt was anywhere from 30 to 50 days. About a month and a half. After 80 years. Once God moved, it just took a month and a half, and they were gone. They were out. Abram's Abram, in Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to him. Early on in his, well, not early on in his life, but the story, the account that we, we pick up on, he was promised a son, he was promised a seed, he was promised a, a, a posterity. He got that when he was 99 years old. It took a long time for God to answer that. Joseph, Joseph was getting all of these dreams, and um, but then of course he got the exact opposite of that dream. He got sold into slavery, and then he worked his way up there. Oh, God is blessing. God is, God is somehow he's going to work this out, and then he gets thrown in prison. And many years later, after all of this happened to Joseph, in the space of about an hour or two, he went from being in prison to the number two guy in Egypt. Just like that. But it took years and years. So sometimes it seems God moves really, really slow. And sometimes He moves so fast, it'll make your head spin. In the fullness of time, God promised a Messiah. Genesis 3.15 is the first, first instance we hear about a Messiah. That was given to Adam and Eve. That was at the beginning he promised this. Thousands of years later, after hundreds of prophecies, hundreds of little hints and, and, and little uh, spoilers that it's coming. The Messiah's coming. And we, we get a little bit more and then a little bit more and a little bit more. He's coming. He's coming. When? Then all of a sudden He came. When it was time, God fulfilled every single prophecy ever written concerning the coming Messiah. When God gives a promise, when God answers a promise, it seems to me that more often than not, that's always coupled with fear. The day of promise oftentimes ends up becoming a day of fear as well. What do I mean by that? In Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, we're introduced to two people. That passage of Scripture says this, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. So we're introduced to Zacharias and Elizabeth. He's a priest. And his wife, the daughter of priests. But they had no child. They were barren. They were faithful. They were blameless in the sight of God. Now, I can speculate here And that's all this is, because the Bible is silent on this. But, I'll say it this way. Have you ever known someone that uh, in the first 30 seconds of being introduced to this, this person or this individual, you know their big problem. You know that they are... Uh, you know what bothers them? They got this one thing. And, hi, my name is so and so, and I hate Donald Trump. I mean, it's basically like that. They got a problem, they got a situation, and they'll share it with anybody in, in ears' reach. Have you ever known anyone like that? I have. Time to baste the turkey. I need to delete that. <laughs> um, well, I've known people like that, and they're frustrating, but at the same time, uh, refreshing in a way because I don't have to guess. I don't. I don't have to try to figure out. You know what's the real issue? They just come right out and say it, and it's. It's not too hard to speculate uh, about Zechariah and Elizabeth. That this really bothered them. This situation. And in their society, we've got to understand, in the Jewish culture, this was a curse. Not being able to have children was a curse. We see that several times in Scripture. God's specific curse on someone was that they would remain childless. We also see, conversely, that the blessing of the Lord was to be fruitful and to have children, to have your quiver full. And so, this was a big deal, folks. Not so much maybe today uh, with some people, but in Jewish culture, this was huge. And I can only imagine how much this bothered this faithful couple. I'm sure they sought God over it. I'm sure they prayed about it. My wife and I understand this. We were barren for a while. We were not able to have kids. And it's very frustrating. We wanted kids. We prayed. We got anointed with oil. We sought the face of God. We fasted. And at the same time, we were going through every medical procedure we we knew of uh, to get pregnant. Nothing worked. Finally, I think we got to in vitro. Was that what it was? Yeah, that was the last thing that we had left to do, but it was too expensive. It just wasn't an option. So, so we resolved ourselves to the fact that, well, okay, the answer is no. We're going to be good with God's answer. The answer is no. And so we started making plans. We're going to spend money on us. We're going to go on vacations. We're going, to, we're going to do this and that instead of raise kids. And I was actually getting a little bit excited about it, and then we got pregnant. <clears throat> so, so I, I kind of have a taste of what they were going through, not the social stigma of it, <clears throat> but the frustration of it. We were serving God. We were doing what we knew to do. And, and other people that weren't serving God, they just look at someone funny and they get pregnant. It was very frustrating to us. But then all of a sudden, our prayer got answered. Just like that. In the case of Zacharias and Elizabeth, their prayer got answered. Just like that. And it can can get in the way. These trials, these tests, it may not be that you can't get pregnant. It may be something else entirely. But these situations that that consume us, we were consumed with it. It was a distraction for us it got our eye off the ball of probably a lot of things. Sometimes good people, good Christian people, People who are faithful. People who are serving God. These situations, these burdens that we carry, they can become a distraction to us. Now please understand, I'm not trying to minimize what anyone goes through. Not at all. But if you'll allow me to speak from experience, don't let those situations get in the way of what God wants to do through you. Don't let those, those burdens that you carry... Everyone has burdens, folks. Nobody's life is perfect. No Christian's life is perfect. We all have... I can look back on things and if I had it to do over, boy, I'd, I'd do things differently. And so would you. There are situations in our lives from time to time that if I had a choice... That would not be here. I'd rather go through something else. I'd rather experience nice things. But those things are in our lives for a reason. They are. If I am serving God, if I am following after Him, if I have submitted myself to His rule, to His authority in my life, then these things are here for my benefit. And I've got to start looking at him that way. Somehow, somehow, this is here for my benefit, my perfection, my refining. God doesn't hate me, He loves me. And if He's allowed this in my life, it's here for a reason. But we can get wrapped up in these things. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they may have been such a couple until today. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 8. The story continues. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. His promise was about to get answered. But what was his response? He was troubled. He was afraid. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, not just any son. Thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was Zacharias' day. He's been praying for this for who knows how long. It says that they're an old couple, well-stricken in years. he's been praying for a while. Finally, the answers come, but not in the manner he expected. Now I'm trying to remember, honey, but I don't remember Gabriel coming to us, letting us know we were going to have a kid. I now think I don't, I, I don't I'm sure I would, but I don't remember that. Ours just kinda happened. It was answered. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. In the manner kind of that we were expecting. I'll tell you what I wouldn't have expected is for Gabriel to come to my, my house and let me know. I would not have expected that. I might have been a little bit troubled. Who's this guy in my house? Some things to notice about this day that Zacharias experienced. It was an ordinary day. He was doing what he always did. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing special. It was preceded by an ordinary yesterday. I'm going to do today what I did yesterday, what I'm going to do tomorrow. Just another day. He carried out his ordinary duties, like he always did, like he was always going to do. Zacharias went to the temple as usual, got up, got dressed, maybe had breakfast. I don't know what their specific eating schedule was, but had a cup of coffee, kissed the wife goodbye, went out to work, went out to work. Just like he always did. It was a day of prayer. So what kind of answer did they receive? They received an answer. Elizabeth had a child. But not just any child. The forerunner of the Messiah is what she was going to have. That's who she was going to give birth to. What an answer to prayer. But see when god when God steps into our nice, ordered lives and throws this this pebble into our pond and causes all these ripples and all these waves, we can get upset about that. We can get a little bit disconcerted about that. I had my life planned out before I got into this thing. I had it all mapped out. I was going to go in the Army, get the GI Bill. I was going to go to Cornell University and become an astrophysicist. That's what I was going to do. I was passionate about that. And then, just about when I was out of the army, just about, I missed it by like two months, three months. I was almost out on my way to college. And then I got into this thing. I realized God doesn't want me to do that. His presence in my life was a disruption to my plans. It was an awesome disruption. It was the perfect disruption. But a disruption nonetheless. My plans were gone. They were shattered. They were destroyed. They they were useless. Everything I had mapped out was, now what am I going to do? I had no idea. God's promise to me also caused me to, to experience fear. I had no idea what the future held anymore. I had no idea what I was here for. What am I going to do with my life? I, I didn't have the first clue. And when God steps into our lives, He does that. And that can cause a lot of people fear. Disconcernation. consternation. We can become afraid. Because of the unknown. Now I have no idea what's going to happen. I had this, and now God is sending me this way. In Zachariah and Elizabeth's situation, you know, I can imagine, too, that although they had the social stigma, although they had to deal with all of that, they were old. I'm just thinking the way I think. If it were me, part of me would be like, I hope we don't have kids anymore. How am I going to raise a kid at this age? I'm saying that now. I don't want any more kids. I don't want to raise any more kids. I'm done. If we got pregnant, that would make me very sad. So I, I'm thinking, because I'd be I'd be very old by the time they got into high school and very tired. Maybe they were thinking the same thing. They were used to living like this. They were used to not having kids at the house. But now they were going to. Those of you that have had kids, they're a disruption to your life. Absolutely. Of the first degree. The response of Zacharias when his answer came was fear, doubt, Gabriel's response was, fear not. God's response to us, when He steps in and disrupts our lives, tells us to go somewhere, tells us to do something that we weren't expecting, His response to us is, fear not. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, we're introduced to someone else. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel's busy in this chapter, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, Blessed art thou among women. And once he saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Now again, Mary was just a normal young woman of the time. She was a spouse to a man named Joseph, I'm sure she had plans all the the while she was growing up. She was a young Jewish woman. She wanted to get married, have kids, experience the blessings of the Lord, raise a family. She kept herself pure and right with God. The angel said that she found favor with God. She was highly favored. She was engaged in anticipating marriage. I'm sure that was what was at the forefront of her mind at the time. And God stepped in into her normal, ordinary life and completely blew it apart. Right? He did. Mary was troubled at the angel's saying, I'm going to have a child? Um... Yeah, but that's not possible. I know that that's not possible. I can imagine as she started thinking about this, the ramifications of all of this started sinking in. I can't help but imagine that she was a little bit troubled. She was a little bit scared about what she was. If she says yes to this, then she's an adulterer. She's a whore. Well, no, uh, God did this. Can you imagine that defense? Most of us don't like our lives to be interrupted for any reason. But this this was the best news anyone could have ever received and potentially some of the most devastating worst news because of what it's going to cost. And that's what I mean when it says the day when I say the day of promise can also become a day of fear because When God promises me something. When God promises you something. What's the first thing we jump to? What is this going to entail? What is this going to cost me? And perhaps rightly so. We are exhorted to count the cost. When we say yes to God... We should give God an informed yes. Absolutely. But that's what causes the fear. That's what causes the doubt. What am I going to have to go through? What am I going to have to give up? What is this going to cost me if I say yes to God? I can't help but imagine Mary must have considered this. We know what, it, what it's going to cost. Her good name is going to be destroyed. She's going to lose Joseph for sure. What's she going to do now? Yeah, I gave birth to the Messiah. But my life is it's destroyed. And if we're not careful, folks, we can, we can react, we can respond to Jesus the same way. Not able to trust Him. Not able to have enough confidence in Him that He can work everything out. If it does cost us something to say yes to God, He can replace it. He can multiply it. I promise you, folks, it will end up costing us absolutely nothing to say yes to God. Whatever it is that we initially have to ante up, He returns many times more. God is no man's debtor. Not yours, not mine, not anyone. He will repay This was the best news anyone could have received. Mary was chosen by God to give birth to the Messiah. That Mary had found great favor in the sight of God. But it was also going to cost her everything too. Mary was going to be with child out of wedlock. There's no other way to say it, folks. She was with child out of wedlock. Joseph would certainly have to put her away. Maybe they were going to have a trial and stone her. The social stigma if she did survive this, both to her and to her family. Folks, here's the the truth of the matter. It's always going to cost us something to say yes to Jesus Christ. Always. So, if we may, let's just settle that in our hearts now. And be comfortable with that. Here's how I settled it initially. In 100 years, 200 years, should the Lord Terry, I'm going to be dead anyway. At some point, should the Lord Terry, I'm going to be dead. Someone's going to plant me, burn me, whatever it is. I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be able to enjoy any of those things now anyway. I'm not going to have time to spend here on earth, because my time is done. It's gone. That's going to happen either way. Why not give it to the work of God? Why not give it to Jesus Christ? That way, I get to enjoy it for all of eternity. Not the item in particular, but that's treasure in heaven, folks. The saying is, we can't take money with us, but we can send it on ahead. Everything we do for Jesus, everything we sacrifice for Jesus, that's waiting for us in heaven. It doesn't cost us anything. We're going to lose it anyway. It should be God's to begin with. Whatever we possess, our time, our talents, stuff, it should all be God's anyway. As a biblical Christian, one who acknowledges the authority of Scripture, the authority of God in our lives, we must come to the conclusion that all of this is His anyway. It will always cost us something to say yes to Jesus. David said it very succinctly, I will offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. But why not? That's the best kind of offering, right? People who donate to the church I love some of the donations churches get. Because they're just going to throw it away anyway. Oh, maybe the church can get it. And I'll get a tax write-off. Not, I'm not discouraging people from donating to the church. I'm just saying that if we're going to offer something to God, let it be something that means something to us. Let it be a meaningful sacrifice. A sacrifice. Not something I'm going to throw in the garbage anyway. Did the Apostle Paul pay a price to serve Jesus Christ? I think we would all agree he paid a price when he said yes to Jesus Christ. Even Jesus testified, I'm going to show him what great things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. If I may be so bold, how dare we think we're going to get off any cheaper? All the apostles paid a price to serve Jesus. Anybody that's done anything for God has paid a price when they said yes to Jesus Christ. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Because you've paid a price. I'm not preaching to people this morning that have not paid anything. I know you have. I know for a fact you have but it's this price it's that very reason why fear always seems to be bundled in with the the promise of God I want to say yes but when God promises that he's going to do great mighty things through us we immediately begin to focus on the cost the price What's it going to cost me? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to lose because of this? Rather, we should be focused on the promise instead. Yes, we need to count the cost. But what are we going to gain? You know, in investment circles, there is this, uh, there's a term, ROI. Return on investment. You've all heard the saying, it takes money to make money. Okay, well that's true in investing as well. I've got to front X amount of dollars for the opportunity to make 2X amount of dollars. That makes sense. If I don't front X, I have 0% chance of making 2X. So, if I front $100 on a stock, I sell it a month later, I make $120. My return on investment is 20%. I risked $100 to make 120 The reason I bring that up is this. God's return on investment is pretty good. It's really good. When we invest junk and garbage and awful situations and a destroyed life and a mess and a dumpster fire of a life into the kingdom of God, He turns around and makes it something beautiful, something effectual, something productive, something wonderful. He takes absolute garbage and turns it into something absolutely beautiful. What's the return on investment there? As far as I'm concerned, it's infinite. I had nothing. I had nothing good to offer Jesus Christ. But when I gave Him what I had, He turned around and did something amazing with that. And He did the same with all of you. So knowing that, knowing what He can do with hot garbage, what if I gave Him something better than that? What can God do with that? I didn't want any of that. I told God you can have it. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. When I give God something that I do want, that I do desire, but I'm going to give it to him anyway, cuz I love him more than I love this. What what is God able to do with that? So much more. So much more. And because I saw what He did with this, with my wreck-destroyed life, I can trust Him with anything that I give Him. I can. Why am I afraid of the cost? I'll tell you why I'm afraid of the cost. Is because I don't trust Him. That's it, folks. I don't trust Jesus Christ. I think that He's trying to swindle me. I think that if I say yes to God, there's going to be some fine print somewhere that I didn't see, and I'm going to be miserable now. That's the reason people are afraid. That's the reason that when God promises something, our our defense mechanisms kick in. Is He trying to sell me ammo? Is he trying to sell me a a used car? Seems like a sweet deal, but I know better. God doesn't sell us anything, folks. He gives us an opportunity to serve. And in that opportunity, God has an opportunity to bless me. I don't have to be afraid when God comes and throws a pebble in my pond. I don't have to become fearful or disturbed or uh, disconcerned. I don't have to be any of that. It's an opportunity for me. God's going to start doing something here. And He's going to use me to do it. And He's going to use you to do it. So we can say yes freely and without fear. Confidently, what was Mary's response at the end of the day? Be it unto me according to your word. And we see the end result of this. Joseph didn't put her away. Gabriel took care of that too. We don't read about any stigma. Maybe there was. But maybe that's one reason they had to go uh, to Bethlehem. Away from family and people that they knew. There was a benefit to that. We should be focused on the promise. What am I about to gain? What am I going to receive from this? What am I going to see? What am I going to experience? Who will I become because of this? Those are the questions that we need to ask. God's letting us know today to fear not. We don't need to be afraid. Not for any reason at all but particularly when God comes to us and disrupts our lives and sends us off in a different direction. We don't have to be afraid because of that. God's got this. He's got you. He's got me. He's kept this thing together for 2,000 years without any of us. He can do it for a few years longer. Amen. And He will use whom He will use. That means He can use you. He wants to use you. He has a plan to use you. Receiving the promise, that's an action. How we respond to that is because of who we are. So again, we need to become the people God wants us to be. We don't do Christ-like. We become Christ-like. There are a few individuals, probably, who have enough discipline who would be able to consistently do a particular person. Maybe. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But that's hard. That would be very hard. Very draining. That's not what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to become like Him. To be transformed. To be renewed. To become different people. Those people Christ-like people will respond like Jesus did. I don't want it. If it can pass for me, that would be great. Nevertheless, let Your will be done in my life. The plans that God has for us, the promises that He has given us, they are going to come to fruition. Whether we want them to or not. If not through you, then He will find somebody that will say yes. But right now, folks, you're His first choice. Say yes. Say yes without fear. Say yes without doubt. We can trust God that when He tells us something along these lines, when He gives us a promise concerning our future, what He wants, what He desires to do through us, we can trust Him that that's exactly what's going to happen. And if anything, He is going to undersell the benefits of it. He will never undersell the cost. He is very transparent with that. When we read Scripture, it's very transparent that we will through once tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. These trials we're going through don't think it's strange, as if some strange thing is happening. We're not promised paradise here. We're promised a God who will walk through every trial with us and who can use those trials to transform us, to improve us, to perfect us, to make us Christ-like. When we trust God, we're never going to have anything to fear from God. When God speaks to us, when God asks something of us, when God commands us, we're not going to be afraid because we trust Him. Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Even when it seems like He's got it out for me. I know that's not the case. Because I trust Him. Even when it seems like everything He's saying and doing is, is hurting me. I know that's not the intention. Because I trust Him. And I know that whatever He allows in my life is for my very best. It is. Because that's the God that I serve. That's the God that you serve. We don't have to be afraid. Whatever comes our way, whatever, whatever is asked of us, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we may not like it. We're not commanded to like it. We're commanded to submit. We're commanded to obey. And we're commanded to fear not. Because in the midst of those situations, I promise you, and some of you know from experience, in the middle of those situations are some of the best experiences of God that we have ever had in our lives. Some of the greatest miracles we've experienced are right in the middle of those hard situations. That's where we get to know who God is. And that's where God can show us who we are and how desperately we need Him. Amen. Fear not, folks. God is going to do great things through us. We're going to live to see it. We're going to experience it. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus, for the good promise of God that in the midst of any situation, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry or stress or fear or doubt or any such thing. But we can move forward confidently in the plan and purpose of God. We can move forward with the, the, the strong assurance that wherever you send us, you're going before us. You're walking in it with us. You're going behind us. We're surrounded by you. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you desire to use us mightily and wondrously. I pray, Lord, that your name would continue to be glorified here, continue to move in, the, in our service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so very much. We'll be back at a quarter till.